Jen, 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 Jen. Yes. Well, there you are, Jen. Yes, here I am. What can I do for you? Well, I need you to play a game for me right now. Play what? Beatable, unbeatable. What? Beatable, unbeatable. It's the most amazing game. I've just invented it. And it's your duty and your privilege to play the game with me. And it's called beatable... Unbeatable. Beatable, unbeatable. You give me a list of different things and I tell you whether they are beatable or unbeatable. Okay. Sounds simple enough. And the egg. Beat... Hey, take it seriously. Sorry, couldn't resist. Um, a tank. Beatable. A rhinoceros. Beatable. Tyrannosaurus Rex. Beatable. My dad. Beatable. Your dad. Unbeatable. <laughs> How come your dad is unbeatable and my... Unbeatable. I'm pretty sure on my sports day, my dad... Unbeatable. Be- <sighs> Fine. Blue whale. Beatable. Still. Beatable. Spider-Man. Beatable. Giant octopus. Beatable. Manchester United. Beatable. <laughs> Concrete. Beatable. Unicorns. Unbeatable. The sun. Beatable. Oh, I've got a good one. Death. Unbeatable. Wait. No, beatable. I mean, I mean unbeatable. Or is it beatable? Oh, I don't know. Does that mean I win? No, because I play with the, uh, the Ben Wins card. You can't do that. I can. It's my game and my rules. That's just stupid. The Ben Wynn card is... Unbeatable. I win. Oh, yeah. It doesn't matter anyway. I have a new game now. It's called Blendable Unblendable. You give me a list of things and I tell you whether they'll be good in a smoothie. Ben, that's not a good game. I'm going home now. You don't know until you tried it. Come on. Giant octopus. Blendable. Unblendable. Unicorns. Blendable, unblendable. I was going to win anyway. So God our Father, as we look now a bit more about why the resurrection matters and why it's important that you're alive. Lord, speak into each one of our hearts, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to take us back three weeks ago, three weeks ago to, to Easter Sunday, and we'll have some slides that will come up on, on, on the screen just about now, because on Easter Sunday, whether you were here or whether you were in a different part of the world, we were looking at this question. The question was this, did Jesus rise from the dead? Did Jesus rise from the dead? And it's a really important question to be able to answer. The fact that Jesus is alive now is the most important question that you will ever answer in life. Because if you think about it, the only hope we have, in fact the only evidence that there is out there, that our life does not end when we physically die, is because Jesus died and rose again. So why is it important that Jesus is alive? It actually is really important. And if you remember on Easter Sunday, if you were here, I talked about this survey that had come out the week before, uh, questioning people in in the the UK, Christians and non-Christians, about whether they believed in the resurrection. 
And today I want to focus on those two top red lines. That there is a 43% of the general population of the UK, that includes Christians, and doesn't include Christians, believe that Jesus rose from the dead. It's significant because there was another survey just done the year previously by a different company that asked the same sorts of questions. And once more, you get the same figure. 43% of the UK population, whether Christian or non-Christian, believe that, that Jesus rose from the dead. So it's a really important question to ask. And then on Easter Sunday, if you were here, I gave you this sheet. And I want us to look at this sheet now because I think it's so important. The resurrection of Jesus Christ and the fact that Jesus is alive is the most important thing in life. And so I want us to look at it. I want us to take out a pen and actually think about this. And actually look at some of these, some of these known facts out there about the resurrection. Because how do we know Jesus is alive? We know Jesus is alive because the Bible tells us so. The Bible is the most historically reliable, accurate document that there is out there bar none. Any other historical document that you want to put up against the Bible just pales into insignificance in terms of its accuracy in comparison to the Bible. But where In the Bible, do we have these known facts? So here's the first one. That the disciples preached to crowds of thousands in Jerusalem claiming that Jesus had risen from the dead. Where do we find that in the Bible? It's not a monologue this morning. Where about in Acts? Acts chapter 2. So what we want to do is we want to write down next to that first one, Acts chapter 2. Here's the the second one, that the previously scared disciples were only days later claiming that Jesus was alive with, with boldness. Where do we find that in the Bible? Anyone want to take a guess? Don't be shy. Well, you find that Jesus was scared, that the disciples were scared in John chapter 20, verse 19. You find the other bits. You can use Acts 2 again, but I've just given you some different references there in Acts 3 and Acts 4. What about the third one here? That all of the disciples were tortured for their faith, and 11 of the 12 of them ended up dying for it. Where do we find that? Where might we find some examples in the Bible of the disciples being tortured for their faith, and some of them even dying for it? Shout louder. No, you do. There you go. Acts 4, Acts 5, Acts 12, when James, John's brother, is kind of sordid by Herod, one of the 11 disciples. You've got Revelation, the book of Revelation. When John writes the book of Revelation, where is he? He's on the island of Patmos. He's not having a summer holiday. He's in prison, in chains. So here we go. Let's have a look at the next one. Right, many different witnesses, over 500, attested to seeing Jesus after his death. Where might we find that? Yes! 
Yes, we can find it in 1 Corinthians. Remember, if you don't know 1 Corinthians 15, we're going to be looking at it in a minute. You know, you feel like you could get detention, don't you? Do we have detention if you can't get the right answer? 1 Corinthians 15, the most foundational chapter on the resurrection. What about this one? That Christianity spread like wildfire throughout the known world. Where might we find that? There's a repeating answer. The book of Acts. And just so you know there, that Christianity didn't spread like wildfire because it was a really popular and really cool thing to do. Christianity spread like wildfire despite the fact that there was loads of suffering for Christians and despite the fact that they were living a radically alternative, different lifestyle from the way that everybody else was living. That was the picture in first century, if you like, early church. Right, here's an easy one. Jesus was tortured and crucified. Where do we find that? The Gospels, you just read the last three or four chapters of each Gospels, and here's the last one. That Jesus' tomb was found empty. There you've got all the references. What you see is you see a repeated pattern. If you look at it, that actually, if you read the last four chapters of each gospel, and if you read, if you like, the first four, five, or six chapters of Acts, you start to see this picture of what happened in the early church. All of these things are really important because these are the known facts that we know. But of course, sometimes if you look at your sheet again, You've got some other theories out there as to what happened with the resurrection. That actually, well, Jesus didn't really die on the cross. All he did was he kind of fainted. Or or this one, oh, the disciples were just hallucinating. They had got high and they were just hallucinating and they didn't really see him. Or this this other one, well, it wasn't a physical bodily resurrection. It was something like spiritual. It was kind of like a, a metaphor. Or there was this one. That if you were at the 8 o'clock or St. George's services this morning, you would have heard read that kind of, well, the disciples stole his body. Or there's this one that, well, kind of like they got the wrong tomb. And there you have all of those different five alternative theories. And if you look on the, just next to it, all the different reasons why that can't be true. There's at least five for each one of them. Some of them, there's even nine reasons why, they can't, why that can't be the case. So the simplest and most plausible explanation, if you examine the facts, is that Jesus actually did rise from the dead. But what about if you don't believe that? What difference does it make if you don't believe that? You see, that was the question that some people in a church 20 years after Jesus died were asking. They were kind of asking, well, we don't believe that kind of the resurrection happened. What difference does it make? And so what I want us to read is I want us to read these these words together. Because the writer to the church at Corinth, Paul, wrote these words in response to their question. And he has two goes at it. Here's the first go. So we read together. 
But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. More than that, we are found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But if he did not raise him, if in fact the dead are not raised. So Paul gets a bit heavy. And he kind of repeats his words a bit. But just look at him. Look at the different colors. So there was some of them saying in the blue, there's no resurrection from the dead. So Paul says the words in red, if there's no resurrection from the dead, then, then Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead. And if Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead, look at the purple. And what Paul is saying is that your faith is useless. Actually, your faith is empty. Your faith is in vain. Your faith is meaningless. So is your, is your preaching. And what's more, look at the green words. If Jesus has not been raised from the dead, then we're a bunch of liars. So that's his first go to the Corinthian church. Then he has a second go. So let's read this together. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised either, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Look same argument. If there's no resurrection, then Jesus hasn't been raised. If Jesus hasn't been raised, then your faith's not only meaningless, it's futile. And what's more, you are still in your sins. You don't know forgiveness. And what's more, look at the green words. He then kind of says, listen, your mother or your father believed in Jesus and now they're dead. So that means you're never going to see them again. And if only for this life, if you only believe in Jesus for this life, that you think that's all it is, then we're just a sad bunch of people. That's what the blue line means. You see, it's actually really, really important. You see, if we think about this, think about this idea here. Think about any story. If you think about any story, just think about the big story of Christianity for a moment. But just think about any story. Any story has these four parts. It has a beginning, a setting. It has some sort of crisis point, And then something happened. It then has an intervention to come with that crisis, to try and deal with that crisis, and then it has a resolution. Take that to the big story of Christianity for a minute, and just think about this. Think about it here, if you like. You have creation. You have the fall. You have the cross and the resurrection, and you have the new creation, or what some people call heaven. Think about this for a minute, and what difference the resurrection makes. So you have when God created the world. What do you have when God created the world? You have this. You have life. That's all you have. So whichever creation story you want to take in the Bible, there was no death. 
You take the fall. And what do you have at the fall? You have the entry of sin with humanity thinking they could be God, which leads to death. So the only reason you see that pretty picture at the back there of Adam and Eve and kind of that depicts the fall and what, what happened there. That's the only reason that death enters our world. So when Jesus, who lives this sinless life, dies by his death, he defeats sin. And by his resurrection, brings this new life and this possibility that life could be forever. Where there was no sin, no death, evermore. Because that's what heaven on earth is, is all about. Now, if you kind of airbrush out the resurrection like that. So if we just airbrush it out, what difference does it make? This is what difference it makes, what Paul was saying. Just take this side first of all. Well, that doesn't happen. Because the resurrection only makes that happen. If you, look at, if you look at this side, take out the resurrection and we're, we're still in our sin. It kind of takes it all out. It just destroys anything. This is why the resurrection really matters. This is why Peter, on the day of Pentecost, in Acts 2 and verse 24, stood up and said to the crowds, But God raised Jesus from the dead, from the agony of death, because it was impossible. It was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And this is why the resurrection matters. So why don't we stand together and we'll sing our next song.